Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shur Medaf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now on Masachet Sukkot of Tud Dalad Amud Bet near the top of the Amud. Tanur Abanan Naatz Arba Kundisina Sikecha Gaben. So if you put four poles in the ground and put schach on top, which means there's no walls, Biyakov Machshir Vachachavim Poslin. Biyakov says it's valid. I'm Rav Huna. Machloke Dal Svatagags. Rav Huna limits the uh, Rav Yaakov's leniency here. It says this is only if you're at the edge of a roof. Why? Rabbi Yaakov holds that a mechitza can be imagined as going up into uh, space, and therefore the the if you build this thing on top of a roof, then the building's walls are considered to go up. Rabbanan do not accept that idea. If you do it in the middle of the roof. Yaakov would have to agree, there's no walls. That's Rav Huna. The Machloket's in the middle. Why? That, uh, that, and it's un- unclear whether he means that they disagree everywhere or only Bamsagag, and that Rabbanon would accept it on the side. So now, So the question is, what does Ornachon mean? That the Machloket's only in the middle? And on the, and if it were built on the sides of the roof, meaning it was, it compassed the entire roof, that Rabbanon would agree. Maybe the Machloket is in both cases. So take unclear what Ravnachon meant. Meitive, watch this challenge. Now the same case, but it's clearly on the ground. There's no roof here. Being on the ground is like being in the middle of the roof. There's no sides here. Kamash Rabbi Yaakov. So Tiyuf to Ravuna, Tiyuf to Ravuna has been dis, uh, disproven <coughs> because we see that Yaakov allows a sukkah without any walls at all. If you're going to say now that the machloket is in the middle of the roof, but they all agree on the side, it's kasher. Ravuna now has been disproven in both cases because Ravuna said that on the side, that on the, um, on the, on that in the, that in the middle even, um, Rabbi Yaakov would disallow. Uh, Ravuna, Ravuna would say, So Ravuna's answer could be that the disagreement is in both cases. Uh, why do they have the disagreement in the middle, meaning on, on, in the case on the ground, which is like the middle of the roof? The shofar of Yaakov will go. That it's not about kudasik, but rather he says you don't need walls. So now, now this other version is that we have to use some imagination. If the poles could be cut out and you would have a tefach in each direction, meaning the poles, the poles are thick enough. That you could cut some material out and they would form an L that would uh, be a tefach in each direction, then they're called a diumad, which we learned about in the second parak of Eruvin, is a valid bechitza. If not, then it's no good. That the diumadim of a sukkah have to be tefach in each direction. So essentially, Rabbi Yaakov says if you have four poles, each of which is an L shape going a tefach in each direction, you've got to find sukkah. Chachamim disagree and say, no, you need to have two full walls and the third afilutafach, as we have seen and we will discover further. Okay, so now we discover through this other bright Rabbi Yaakov's position.
Okay, v'she'ena gvoa asura tvachim. The Mishnah said that if the sukkah is not ten tvachim high, it's invalid. Menalan, where did ten tvachim come from? In Marav, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chaviva, Matnu. So these four chachamim uh, taught, B'chula seder mo'ed, koke ha'zuga, chaluf Rabbi Yochanan, Ma'ili, Rabbi Yonatan. Anytime you encounter these four together, uh, in Moed, take Rabbi Yochanan out, because Rabbi Yochanan is not of a time period with them, but and, and rather in, introduce Rabbi Yonatan, who are all young students of Rabbi. And what's the source? Aron tish'av ha'chapora tafach. In the Mikdash, the Aron was nine high, because it's an amma and a half high, and the kapora itself is a tafach. Harekan asarat. Okay, so what does that help us if the Aron and the kapora are ten? Hashem says, I'm going to meet with you and speak to you from above the kaport. That never came below, and Moshe and Eliyahu never went up. Moshe went up uh, into the cloud, and uh, Eliyahu went up into Shemaim. But so what's the proof? Heavens belong to God and the earth belongs to man, which means that up until ten fachim, it's heaven. From ten fachim down, it's earth, uh, based on the on the Aaron Kaport measurements and based on the fact that Hashem comes that low to speak. Is it true the Shechina never came down? Hashem came down on our Sinai. The answer is the Malam Yasat Fachim. Yes, he came down, but stayed above ten Fachim. Faktiv Yamdua Glav Beimahu Al Harazitim in the uh, eschatological vision of Zechariah, it has God standing on Harazitim. It said the Malam Yasat Fachim above ten Fachim. Vlo Moshe Eliyahu Lemaro Moshe Eliyahu didn't go up. Faktiv Moshe Alai Leeloim Moshe went up to God. So the Matim Yasarat below ten. Faktiv Eliyahu Eliyahu Besarat Shemayim Eliyahu went up in a chariot. So the Matim Yasarat. Now, we're going to have to play with what this Asarai is. Moshe certainly went up to the mountain. So does that mean that he never went over Tent Fachim above where he was standing? Or does it mean Tent Fachim above the ground? Well, it says Hashem came down. He certainly came down to the mountain. Uh, and here he's standing on Harazetim. Does it mean he's over Tent Fachim above Harazetim? It's uh, difficult to parse this, uh, this Agadah. Uh, we have a famous midrash about this pasuk. He holds on to the heavenly throne. It's pasuk in Yov. That Hashem covered his shechina and made a cloud over Moshe. The answer is the Moshe was underneath ten. But it says Moshe was holding on to the kisei. The Kisei somehow snuck down below Asara. And Moshe held it. This is the famous uh, Midrashim about Moshe being in Shemaim and being afraid of the Malachim who didn't want to let him take the Torah down. Okay, so now every time that we have Moshe or Eliyahu uh, up, we're going to say it's up at below 10. And every time Hashem comes down, we're going to say it's above 10. And there's some sort of a, a boundary of 10. So now, Bishlam Aron Tisha, I understand how the Aron is 9. One and a It's one and a half cubed, which means one and a half amot, and amma is six tefachim, so that's nine tefachim high. How do you know the kaporet is a tefach? Doesn't say that in the Torah. All the all the that Moshe made 
we have been given uh, a, a width, a length, and a height. Except for the kapport, no height was given. So let's see what the smallest kli is. That the um, that the shulchan has a, uh, um, a boundary going around it, which is one tefach, like a crown. So the smallest thing we find is a tefach. So the kapport must be a tefach. Why don't you learn from the kilim themselves instead of an adornment? The answer is tafasta mubalo tafasta, tafasta mubalo tafasta. Whenever we're going to go to try to get information, we're going to get the smallest information available, meaning we're not going to grab further than that. Venelif meets seats, why not the seats? Titania seats to make him in tashel zahab, rochav shteetz paot, wukav meozen leozen. It's a gold band which is only two etz paot wide. So make the kapora two etz paot wide. On top it says Yod and Hey, Kodesh Lamed Milamata. Underneath it says Kodesh Le, and on top it's Hashem's name on the two rows. This is Rabbi who we encountered in Yoma, who gave testimony about the parocha that he saw. He said, I saw that seats in Rome, and it has Kodesh Lashem on one, one row. But regardless, for our purposes, this is smaller than a tefach. The answer is Danin Klimi Klive and Danin Klimi Tachshit. That seats is not a Kli, that seats is a garment. And so therefore the Kaporet, which is a Kli, has to be learned from another Kli, which is the adornment of the, uh, which is the frame of the, uh, of the Shochan. Menelaf mi, uh, mi Zer, what about the crown that goes around the top of the Shochan? Then Zer Mashu, that was a, a, the smallest amount. The answer is Danin Klimi Klive and Danin Kli, Meachshar Kli. The zer is not itself a kli. The miskeret, the frame of the shulchan, is a kli. Heachim miskeret nami hechsher kliu, but it's also hechsher kli. The answer is miskeret tolamataita, but the frame of the shulchan is underneath it, not on top. So how nechamana miskeret tolamataita? That's according to one opinion. The landam are miskeret tolamalaita, according to the one who says it was above. Ma'ikel lememar. How would you answer it? So the answer is high hechsher kliu. Right? It's hechsher kli. Ella. So we we're now back at square one. We don't have a proof for tefach. The answer is very simple. The Torah gave us a measure. It gave us a measure of the kaporet in width and length, and it gave us a measure of the of this miskeret explicitly. The tzitz doesn't have a measure in the Torah. We say it's to its boat. The zer doesn't have a measure. That's why it's mashu. But here we have a measure. So we're going away from the issue of being clear, or extra clear, or tachshit. But rather, wherever the Torah gave a measure, and the smallest measure the Torah gives a tefach. Ravuna Mar Mihacha, he has a different proof. The Kaporet, when the Kohen Gadol does the Hazaat Adam and Yom Kippurim, he does it al Panei HaKaporet. And a Panim, to have a Panim, it has to be at least a tefach thick, which means high. If you're looking at it straight, you're looking at its height, and it has to have at least the height of a tefach. <laughs> so why don't we say it's like a huge face? The answer is like a huge bird. Again, you're going to go for the smaller amount. Maybe like a tiny little bird. The zutartuva, very small. He learned the word pnei from elsewhere. That. Um, that uh, Yaakov had left the presence of Yitzchak Aviv, Pnei Yitzchak Aviv. And a person's face is uh, about a tefach uh, high. 
why don't we use God's face? We also have the, the name, uh, the, the use of Pnei Elohim. When Yaakov meets Esav and he says, I, you, I see you like Pnei Elohim. The answer again is Tafas, well, Tafas, Tafas, you Tafas, you're going to go for the smaller amount. The Nailof Mikruv, the closest thing right there is the Kruvim. Dichtiv, Alakapar, you Pnei Akruvim, and the Kruvim have Panim. Rabbi Yaakov, Gemiri, ain't Pnei Kruvim, Chutim Mitafach. The answer is they're also a Tafach. And Ravuna also learned from there. Oh, my kruv. Now, why is it? What's a kruv? What is that? I'm Rabbi Karavia. Karavia could mean a baby. So, Ravia. Right? So, it looks like a baby. In the description of the heavenly chariot, it says one of the faces is a kruv and one is a person. But according to you, I knew kruv, I know Adam. If a kruv is a baby, then uh, Kruv is an Adam. So, Ape Ravri Vape Zutri. The answer is, one is a big face, one is a small face. A small and adult face and a child's face. So now let's go back to the Sukkah. Who says that the Sukkah has to have ten Tvachim of space between ground and Schach, besides the Schach? Maybe it's ten Tvachim including the Schach. So, everything that we've just said, approving it from the Kaporet and Hashem coming down and not coming down below ten, Really, based on that, we should say the entire sukkah could be ten, including the schach. He learned it not from the Mishkan, from the Beit Hamikdash, rather from the Beit Hamikdash. So the dimensions are much bigger. It's uh, sixty by twenty and th- and thirty high. The kruvi made were ten amot. What do we know about the Beit HaMikdash, the Kruvim, were up to one-third of the height, because it's 30 high, and these are, then the Kruvim are 10 high. The Kruvim also are at one-third. In other words, the idea is that Shlomo built a much bigger Mikdash, but it had to be at the same ratio. So Mishkan Kama, how big was the Mishkan? Ten Amot Hakarish. The Kreshim were 10 high. So that's 60 Tfachim. How big is one-third of that? 20 Tfachim. But it's sitting on top of uh, the Aron Kaport, which we said was 10. So the Kruvim are 10 Tfachim high. The Kruvim's wings go above them. And it says the, the wings are sochech, meaning that they cover, but they use the word schach, above ten. So, who says the wings went above their head? Maybe they're even with their head, in which case they'd be now included in the ten. It says lamala. So maybe they're very, maybe they're very much lower. So they're much higher. So that means that the sukkah maybe has to be eleven or twelve. It doesn't say above, above. It says above, which means right above ten. That only works according to Meir, who said that all the amot in the Mikdash were regular amot of six tvachim. Rabbi Yehuda has a position where he says in the Mikdash, the amot used for kelim were five tvachim. Because after all, because uh, because if you have one and a half uh, amot, but the amah is five, then 
that is going to be seven and a half. Plus the kapora is eight and a half. Pashlu chadzari palga. Then there's eleven and a half up to the top of the kruvim. So ema sukkah davi chadzari palga. According to you, now the sukkah is going to have to be eleven and a half high. The answer is that Rabbi Yehuda learned it as a tradition. There's, we have a halacha, a Torah shvalpeh, that the size of a sukkah is ten tefachim high, which is going to open us up into the next sugya about shurin being halacha, the Moshe which we'll see in the next podcast. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.